Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block, finally back to our regular date and time. This show is being recorded live and will be available shortly after its conclusion as a podcast, which can be found wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We invite anyone listening to us to join us live on Zoom or by phone, as well as to share your comments and feedback, positive or otherwise, on our email address, which is ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, co-hosts. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Jody. Hey, Mike. Good afternoon, and everyone. It's Mike Hi, in New everybody. Jersey. I'm supposed to say that, right? Mike in New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, Mike in New Jersey. I don't want to say we can tell which one is Jody because we'll get knocked off the air just for saying that. So, so here's my problem today. There is so much going on that I can't even say these, this is the biggest story. This is the biggest two stories. This is the biggest three stories. So maybe I'll start backwards and ask each of you what you think. Sorry. Besides the phone going off. What, is, <laughs> what do you think is the biggest story of the week? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to pick two if I can. I think Two really big stories are Merrick Garland's memo to the FBI to start treating the parents challenging school boards as domestic terrorists under the Patriot Act. And internationally, I think China is the big story. And there are subparts of that, but the biggest part is the continued penetration by Chinese aircraft of Taiwanese airspace. Um, I don't think, I, I think that they've, they've, actually just gone around the perimeter, not through, not actually over the land, but uh, they're making clear signs that they're getting ready to invade. Um, and that's a, a huge deal. Uh, the other part of the China story to me, which is related to that is uh, we talked about Evergrande property management company or property development company, rather. Uh, they appear to be going belly up. Their stock trading was halted in Hong Kong on Monday of this week. Um, and oftentimes, Regimes that are in trouble turn to war to try and rally the people and to deflect from economic catastrophes that are happening at home. So um, I, I still think that uh, China is trying to, to have a profitable Winter Olympics and they're going to wait to start a war and, and really create havoc until after February. But uh, who knows? I mean, if things get out of control, they, they get out of control. Those are the two big stories to me. Okay, so the foreign story of China, Taiwan, Evergrande, and the Merrick Garland story. Jody? Uh, no, I'll echo that. I, I, I have to learn more about those, so I'd love to go there. You want to go to nothing better. What's that? You're going to China or Taiwan, or are they the same thing? Are they kind of the same thing, interrelated? Well, China thinks they're the same thing. Some of us don't. Okay, Mike? Yeah, no, I think Ed is right on target with that stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I was watching the coverage of the whole Merrick Garland thing and quite honestly, just like totally disgusted at this point of what's going on in our country. I mean, the fascists have pretty much taken over. Uh, they're very overt in what their intentions are against us at this point. I mean, I, just, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I can't believe this is the country I grew up in at this point. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, it isn't the country you grew up in. 
No, right. it's not. That's for sure. Ed, what are the two biggest stories you think of the week? Or one, we started off with one, but Ed threw me off. Um, well, I, I think that the domestic story and the international story are the same story, and that is the coming economic collapse. Um, the wheels are coming off the economy. The, um, the energy situation in Europe is dire. The uh, Chinese are trying to suck up all the natural gas they possibly can. Uh, the only uh, natural gas that Europe is getting is uh, through uh, Russia and the, uh, through this uh, new pipeline that started operations. Um, the United Kingdom is outside of Europe and is not getting any natural gas. The uh, United States and Canada seem to be okay with regard to energy, at least until Biden, you know, does more damage. But um, everything else, uh, manufacturing, uh, can't get the parts for anything. Um, you can't get, uh, everything's backlogged. If you, if you try to buy anything that's not on the store shelves, you can be waiting any time for months. Um, I, I heard I wanted to buy something nine months wait. Um, there are cargo ships lined up outside of the port of Los Angeles and cargo ships lined out, uh, out up, outside the ports on the East Coast. Uh, and there are no longshoremen. Well, why aren't there any longshoremen? Uh, you know, longshoremen are, are paid really, really well. Uh, they are not um, underpaid by any stretch of the imagination. Well, where did they all go? I don't know. I have no idea where they went. And I, I have no idea why there's not enough of them. I mean, there's all sorts of people unemployed and there's all sorts of job openings. And, and they're just, I, I don't know the answer as to why this is going on, but the wheels are coming off the global economy. And I don't know how long we can pretend that things aren't pretty dire. And I think that um, the, the crash is imminent. I can't imagine, and they can't just print more money anymore. They've run out of the, the printing press uh, to try to ameliorate uh, the economic crises because the inflation is now um, at a noticeable level. So I, I think that's all together. Uh, they were you know, with, with a trillion dollar coin. I thought that was all worked out. Well, I mean, the budget uh, thing, I'm, I'm talking about the, um, the Fed, Federal Reserve has tried to ameliorate the economic dislocations due to COVID, due to government reaction to COVID, really, but some due to COVID, by uh, printing money and handing it out. And, and that worked for a little while, but it's no longer going to work because I think they're going to just throw money into inflation now rather than into um, some sort of consumption. Uh, you know, that. It's, it's funny where you walk into the grocery store and, and even here, you know, where like, you know, I live in Moscow during the, uh, during the Soviet era, right? I mean, that's, that, I live in Northern Virginia, which is equivalent to Moscow. Um, you know, all the stores in, for the elites in Moscow were always stocked with stuff, but not, you know, none of the peasants got it. Well, I, you know, I go to the stores where the elites go, right? And so they're mostly stocked with stuff, but there are still bare shelves and, well, from what I can hear is that uh, out in the, you know, the countryside, there are a lot of bear shells. I just don't know what 
is going to happen, but it, it can't be good. It, it, it can't be good. And uh, if this, you know, if this uh, goes, if this collapse happens, you know, a la 2008 and we get a, you know, the stock market going down by 50%, we get more unemployment, we get, um, you know, uh, unemployment in China, which is the one thing the Chinese really can't tolerate. Um, then, then yeah, I think the threat to Taiwan is is serious because they have to wag the dog over in China just as much as they have to wag the dog here in the United States. On the um, on the Garland thing, I, obviously, uh, I, I have no idea why anybody is surprised about this after a year and a half where the FBI didn't even have a file on Antifa that was uh, announced the other day. And yet they're treating the January 6th riders as if um, they were, uh, you know, the worst thing to happen since the Civil War. Uh, the idea that the Department of Justice is anything other than a tool of the regime, uh, it should not be surprising to anyone. Um, I, uh, Curtis Yarvin, the blogger, uh, was talking to him the other day and, and he, uh, you, you know, I said, are you surprised about the treatment of the January 6th riders? He says, no, I mean, uh, anti-regime protesters always get treated that way. You know, I don't, I don't know why you're surprised if you're an anti-regime protester in Moscow. Yeah, you're going to get beaten up and thrown into jail. And, you know, if you're the same thing in any country, the, the regime will punish you. And so why are you surprised that they're being punished? And I, I think that's that's true. I mean, if you go in to a, a school board meeting and complain that they're being racist against somebody, um, you'll be treated with the utmost respect, no matter how much you scream and carry on. But you go in and complain about CRT or uh, COVID totalitarianism, then you're going to be arrested. Why? Because the first are, are pro-regime protesters and the second are anti-regime protesters. So, Ed, so I think a lot of people are surprised, Ed, though, because a lot of people haven't fully accepted that we have a regime. I mean, that, we're, people... that we're ruled as an oligarchy rather than as a democracy or republic. Yes, I know that that is something that has not quite gotten out. That's the third level of red pill, right? There's like <laughs> there's multiple levels of red pill. The first is the media lies. The second is the government lies. The third is we are ruled by an oligarchy. And then there's, you know, you go deeper down uh, into the matrix, uh, the, you know, out of the matrix rather as far as you go. But yeah, I mean, uh, most people on the right uh, get the first two. They haven't quite gotten the third one yet. Ed Maslish, quick legal question. Will Garland also want us to be in trouble if we wait till the school board people go to the bathroom and we crash into them? You mean like what they did to Senator Cinema? Is that protected? I, I think Ed hits the nail on the head. It depends on who's doing the attacking and you know why they're doing the attacking. If you if you go into the bathroom to to uh, stalk a school board member who is uh, opposed to critical race theory, then you're probably going to get applauded and maybe get a medal. If you go into the bathroom to stalk someone, a board member who defends it or who defends masks or defends any of the other COVID fascism, you're going to wind up being punished. Yeah, this is not new behavior, right? It just seems to skyrocket a little higher, faster, but this is typical behavior where they decide to ascribe 
highly illegal behavior to people on the right, even if it's not, call it horrible and truly egregious illegal behavior on the left is completely appropriate. It, it really is a two-tiered legal system we have. Yeah, the, as someone who, a uh, uh, conservative uh, writer um, 10 or so years ago, ago uh, whose name escapes, he came up with the idea of uh, anarcho-tyranny, right? Anarchy, no laws for, for the protected groups and tyranny against the unprotected groups. And, and I think the, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of knowledge about this uh, on the right uh, about anarcho-tyranny, especially among libertarians. Um, it hasn't quite gotten to most people that the cause of that is the fact that we don't live in a democracy. But I think that uh, anarcho-tyranny sort of sums up the uh, phenomenon. So I want to interrupt a second. I want to go through really quickly some of the stories that we're not picking as the most important. And again, I think it's because they're just absolutely so many. Some of these are not quite as earth shattering as the others. So we got the Fauci flip-flop on Christmas. Luckily, I'm Jewish and I don't think he knows Hanukkah's coming, but had an overnight flip-flop. We got a CDC flip-flop on Thanksgiving. First, they said Thanksgiving should be virtual. And now, Jody, um, since you have the beautiful fireplace, it won't matter to you, but they want us to keep our windows open on Thanksgiving. So that's a small one. Then we've got the several stories we got this big health system in Louisiana that's not only going to up insurance for people who aren't vaccinated, but they're going to impose fees on their spouses if their spouses aren't vaccinated. To me, that's a wild story because we're taking it out a whole nother notch, a whole nother notch. We got reports coming out that there's evidence, again, is it true or not? Who knows that the Wuhan virus may have been out in May of 2019 and been covered up since then. That should be a really, really big story. You got a New York Times story basically saying that looking back the last 18, 19 months, maybe our behavior doesn't affect the virus at all. Maybe social distancing and masks aren't really what matters to uh, how bad COVID is. Well, that's a tremendous whoops. We got the, uh, the James O'Keefe thing with the Pfizer scientists basically saying that uh, natural immunity is better than the vaccine. That's a really, really big story when you put it together with so much other information while they're still forcing the vaccine on so many people. Not only is New York on vaccine crazy, half hour before the show, I saw LA just passed an ordinance as of December 6th. You can't go anywhere indoors in LA if you're not vaccinated as well. And then on the other side, apparently, they just decided not to force boosters on us. So even though Biden was going to force a third shot on everybody, apparently they just cut back and said they're not going to bother doing that. Then we got, um, let's see, some more quick stories that I want to go through. Got this poor lady in Colorado who's supposed to get a kidney transplant, but they're not going to give it to her. They're going to let her die because guess what? She's not vaccinated. So that seems important. Obviously, we got so many people being laid off. I mean, the story here in New York was 174 people laid off, I think, by Northwell, or maybe it was even more. And they're bringing in the National Guard to staff hospitals in New York, and I believe in Connecticut as well, which is beyond wild. And um, let's see what else we got here. Big stories that I consider big stories. Facebook whistleblower and the, the exactly. whole I was just game. Get, yeah. I actually forgot about that. 
Well, it should be a huge thing. And I totally forgot about it. Well, when I was going to get to that. So that's an interesting story because it seemed like many of us were really excited about that. And then you have Bongino out there yelling as of today, I believe that it's a trap. And I just shared the article from Glenn Greenwald literally a few minutes before the show, who's also basically agreeing with that and saying, she's not a whistleblower against censorship. She's a whistleblower coordinated with the establishment Mm -hmm. for more censorship. So out of the 50 stories I just mentioned, several of those should be earth shattering. Mm -hmm. And yet they're overshadowed by so much more. Getting back to China for the minute, which we discussed it a few weeks ago. So the two questions I have, Ed M, and anybody else who wants to talk about China are, A, what exactly is happening? But more important, what, if anything, is our role? Um, I think most of us agreed we shouldn't be in any way interfering in China, Taiwan. But is that what everybody really believes now? Well, you're directing that to me. I mean, Evergrande is a property development company. They build housing. They are highly, highly leveraged. Um, I forget how many billion dollars in debt service they owe, which is just interest. uh, And they miss their payment. Uh, It doesn't look like they're going to, the Chinese government is going to be able to contain that, that default. Uh, I saw another, there was another much smaller property, property development company that also is going to miss its debt payment. Uh, I think it was Fantasia maybe, or something like that. I forget the exact name, but um, it looks like the housing sector is collapsing in China. Um, And it looks like Well, if that happens, you've got debt payments that are being missed. You have banks that made those loans that are going to go bankrupt. Um, And it's not just Chinese banks that are exposed. American banks and some Western European banks are are exposed in China. Um, And, you know, if when banks when banks fail, the depositors money is gone. And, uh, you know, you have things like FDIC insurance in the United States, but we've got a government that's 28, 29 trillion dollars in debt already. Um, We've got inflation running, running much higher than uh, the government wants and that is even reporting. And so to to deal with a a bailout of banks or I mean, that's the thing I I've been saying for for a year on this show that that there's a, a financial crisis that's being fomented. And I think that the banks are going to be the boogeyman. They're going to be the scapegoat for the crisis. And I think that the government is going to blame the banks and wipe the banks out. And it's going to use it. That This is going to be its excuse to impose a digital currency and wipe out the middle, the bank as the middleman. Um, that's, that's what I think is going on with that. As far as China and Taiwan, um, you know, should we be protecting free countries? We should be standing up to free countries that are being bullied by a dictatorship like China. But do we have the means to protect them at this point? Probably not. Uh, do we have the will to, to protect them? Certainly not with Biden in the White House. So, I mean, we have to be we have to be aware of, you know, there's a difference between the textbook answer that you might you might get, you know, the answer you might give in theory without reference to the actual facts. And then the answer that's based on the actual facts as they exist today. And with Biden in the White House, he's, he's not going to stand up to China. 
I mean, he's bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. So um, I don't know how we stand up to them. Uh, we, we theoretically could. I mean, it would be a major war. And I don't know if, if the generals that we have, like General Milley, and I don't know if the, the generals are, are prepared to fight a war. I mean, they, they couldn't even execute a semi-coherent, semi-logical evacuation of Afghanistan. Are they prepared to defend Taiwan? My guess is no, but I'm not a military guy, so I, I can't really say for sure. Um, I, I do have severe, uh, I do have significant concerns that we're being set up for a major humiliation in, in military, military humiliation if we try and defend Taiwan. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, like I said, like I've been saying, I, I think that China wants to make profits. They, they see the international community coming to China this February for the Winter Olympics is a chance to make a lot of money. I don't think they want a repeat of, of the 1980 boycott of the Moscow Olympics. So I think they're going to try and hold off for a couple more months. But uh, if I were if I were in Taiwan right now, I wouldn't be making any long-term plans to do anything other than to emigrate. So um, on the Taiwan thing, uh, if you look at the actual map of um, Taiwan and China, which you can find, I mean, I saw this at, at Zero Hedge, but it was referenced somewhere else. Uh, the air defense identification zone of Taiwan is a kind of a, call it a big rectangle um, that, that goes right through the strait in the middle and then goes south a, a bunch and north a bunch. And these um, Chinese, these Chinese um, aircraft are cutting the corner at the far southwest. They're cutting the corner. They're not flying at Taiwan. They're just cutting the corner. So why are they doing this? They can be doing this um, to test the Taiwanese response. That's probably the, the most obvious thing. Um, how many fighters can Taiwan scramble? How fast? They can also be doing it to capture SIGINT from the Taiwanese air defense systems because when, a, when an aircraft comes into the ADIS, then the, the tracking radars light up, uh, the military radars light up to try and, um, to try and paint the targets. You know, most, most aircraft are um, equipped with transponders that tell you who they are. Military aircraft aren't. So if, you've, if the search radars find something that is not squawking, then it'll trip an alarm and the, and the tracking radars will light up. And the tracking radars are, you know, attached to the, to the um, targeting, you know, system. So they get a good idea of where the holes are, if there are any holes in the air defense um, systems of Taiwan. And finally, there is this thing that I don't entirely understand uh, in human nature. Um, that uh, the person who fires the first shot is the person who is the guilty party. Um, so you can provoke, 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 poke and poke and poke and poke and poke and poke and, poke and <laughs> slap them across the face and do all sorts of things. But 
oh my God, if he lashes out and punches you in the jaw, he's at fault. And, uh, you know, we've seen this and I've explained World War II, uh, US and Japan or the civil war uh, in the US civil war, um, where the people who fired the first shot were not really the ones who were the provokers. So I think what they're trying to do is provoke Taiwan into firing the first shot, even if it's by accident. They, they want Taiwan to fire the first shot by accident, because that would give them the excuse to um, retaliate. I read an article yesterday uh, from someone who claims to know China saying that the, tai- the Taiwanese government might be interested in fighting, but the Taiwanese people are not interested in fighting at all. And, uh, you know, the, if the Chinese could get one uh, plane load of, uh, of soldiers to land on some airfield uh, in China, in Taiwan and set up a perimeter, the government would collapse just as fast as the um, Afghanistan government did. That was this writer's opinion. But I don't know. What would be the implications if China just took Taiwan? Taiwan. Well, I don't, you know, I mean, it would be bad for the Taiwanese, I think, because we've seen what they've done to Hong Kong. And I think that's, that's not particularly a, a good thing for the, for the economy of Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong, um, Hong Kong is important because it is economically strong and it's economically strong because it's relatively free. And I think that Taiwan is the same thing, but Taiwan does manufacture, you know, Taiwan, Korea manufa- and China manufacture almost all the, the chips and computers. And so, um, and Taiwan especially is really one of the most important countries for chip manufacturers. So yeah, the Chinese would control um, a great majority of the chip manufacturing. Uh, and so that would be bad. And, and well, let, me throw, let me throw something in, huh? That's pretty bad. Well, that, yeah, that's pretty bad, but I, I think let, let's look at it from a little higher level. What does, you know, China has bought and paid for Joe Biden. What do they want from him? What does Joe Biden have that he can give them? Really, the only thing he has that they want is they want Taiwan and they don't want they don't want the U.S. to fight. Once they take Taiwan, Joe Biden is sort of useless to them. And I think it'll signify a much more confrontational pose from China towards the U.S. And I think it'll also signify that Biden's the adults are in charge mantra is shattered permanently. Um, I think it'll signify the end of Joe Biden. Um, that's, that's the significance to me. I mean, I think Ed is also right that China would take over the semiconductor chips that are being built, uh, manufactured in, in Taiwan. But, uh, the, the big thing is that, uh, that's the big chip that China wants from Joe Biden and they're going to cash it in. And once they've cashed it in, I don't think that he's all that useful to them. And I, I think that Biden is going to be, he's going to be humiliated from the defeat and he's going to be pushed out. Uh, I, I've been, I think that he's going to be pushed out sooner rather than later. Uh, I, I think, think that- the a regime, you know, the, the establishment, whatever, I think the establishment wants to stick up for Taiwan. I mean, that, you know, they, they want wars, wars are good for them. So um, I think they want it, but just like they wanted to stay in Afghanistan. But I think 
what ended up happening in Afghanistan is, is Joe Biden in, you know, in one moment where he strings two sentences together uh, said, you know, get out now, damn the consequences. And, you know, we saw how bad that ended up being, but, um, but he just, he just sort of lashed out against all of his advisors. And, and I think that when it comes to Taiwan, I think the Chinese are hoping he's going to do that again, because I, I guarantee you, everyone in the establishment wants to fight for Taiwan. But I think the, the reason the Chinese attempted to purchase uh, Biden, um, and you, know, you can purchase a corrupt but sane human being. I'm not sure you can purchase someone who has Alzheimer's disease, but I mean, that's kind of what they were trying that when they went, he would do the same thing he went in Afghanistan. Like all the advisor would come and say, uh, you know, the Chinese are gonna attack, we have to do something and have him say, screw it, they're gonna have Taiwan or something like that. I mean, I think that's what it is, but make no mistake, the American oligarchy wants to fight for Taiwan, no question about it. So we may end up getting into a war anyway, depending on which side of the bed Biden wakes up on that day. But what happens to America if we have no more computer chips? Well, we, we have plenty of, I, I mean, I don't know whether you've been, a lot of these problems are, are due to the US government to begin with, right? So I, I don't know whether you've noticed the, the campaign against uh, the Chinese company Huawei, who, which develops chips yeah, for big 5G. Yep. Um, so why is the U.S. worried about Huawei? Because they believe that the um, Huawei, which is controlled by the CCP, is going to put monitoring software or hardware or whatever into their 5G chips so that they can, the Chinese can, if they desire, snoop on any communication from any 5G phone using Huawei equipment. Now, why would the U.S. think that? Well, because that's exactly what the NSA did um, to American chips and American, you know, Cisco routers and everything. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I'm not a fan of Huawei. I'm sure they are controlled by the Chinese, but I mean, you know, we have a choice. If we have American chips, it means that our conversations are going to be listened to by the NSA. And if we have Chinese chips, it means we're going to be, the American conversations are going to be listened to by the Chinese. And to be quite honest, the latter is less threatening to my personal liberty than the former. I, you know, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what else to say with the whole Garland thing, et cetera. So uh, um, I, I think a lot of this is that. A lot of this is, um, you know, they complain, uh, the, the whole global governance, Klaus Schwab, New Economic Forum, you know, United Nations, the whole thing is like, all of these problems should be resolved by diplomacy. We shouldn't like go and grab territory or, or do wars anymore. We should do diplomacy. We should have a global government that can sort thing, these things out. I mean, I, that's their opinion, I think, in general. And, you know, yet who, who broke that really badly? It's George Bush with the invasion of Iraq. So, I mean, and then, you know, uh, we should let people, you know, elect their own leaders and leave them alone. That's kind of, you know, the internal affairs, that sort of thing. That's all United Nations stuff. Um, well, who broke that? Well, the United States with the overthrow of the Ukrainian government. That's what caused Putin to take, take um, part of Ukraine and, and Crimea. 
And so, you know, all of these things is like, well, we should, you know, Chinese and Taiwan should, you know, sort out their differences peacefully through negotiation. It's like, yeah, well, why didn't you sort out your differences with Bashar al-Assad peacefully uh, with negotiation? Why didn't you sort out your differences with Iraq or, or even the Taliban? I mean, it, you know, the Taliban did have provocation, but I mean, I, I think a lot of this trouble the US government finds itself in is a, is a problem its own making. I mean, that, it's like, oh my God, the enemy has drones. They can attack our facilities with little drones. It's like, well, okay, who <laughs> started that, right? So again, it, it's our, our masters seem to think that they can do whatever they want with no consequences. And, um, and that the enemy doesn't get, we're so powerful, the enemy doesn't get a vote anymore. And unfortunately the enemy gets a vote. And so all of these stupidities the are coming back. We can't get cars because of the chip backup. Yeah, we can't get cars because of the chip backup. Or, you know, nobody, I've never read an article it's like, why, 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 why are there ships backed up. And there's no lockdown in China. There's no lockdown in, in Taiwan. As far as I know, there's very little lockdown in Korea. I mean, why, why is there a chip backup? Well, why, why don't we make our own? Is why, there are we, why aren't we making our own? Well, that's we've, ex we've exported all those jobs. <laughs> yeah, we exported all those jobs. <laughs> one, one thing Ross Perot is uh, right about, I think. Yeah. A giant sucking sound. But again, giant and just Trump. Can we be proactive and seeing what a huge problem that is for us and be well, rectifying that problem? Well, given that all of our medical equipment and pharmaceuticals are made overseas and we were caught completely flat-footed by this pandemic last March, you would think that people would recognize that this, you know, absolutist free trade with yeah. other countries, you know, um, is probably not a good idea <laughs> in the grand scheme of life, like when all things are good and everybody's free and nothing bad is happening. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it lifts people up from well, poverty. Yeah, listen, but I mean, you know, we, we, it, we romanticize Reagan, at least some of us on the right have done so over the years, but he was a protectionist and rightfully so. I mean, I, I think we see now the folly of our ways. Well, Lincoln was a huge protectionist. I mean, that was one of the reasons you know obviously slavery was the main reason but it was one of the reasons that caused the north south split and the civil war was yeah. the uh, the protection tar protectionist tariffs that the but, but again uh, you know like you're saying in terms of foreign policy a lot of the problems of our of our our own making it's the same that could be said for our economic situation um you know when you have the environment environmentalist movement we have all these regulations, high taxes, and a, just a horrible climate for economic freedom. Yeah, I don't think that, I mean, I don't think the taxes are necessary. I mean, I, all taxes are wrong and these taxes are too high, but I don't think the tax, it's the regulatory environment and the, mm -hmm. and the union environment. I think all but of the But it's also jobs, the environmentalism. Yeah. The, it's part yeah, of regulation, environmental regulations. regulations. And then the unions right. have, have really pushed these things offshore. And, uh, yeah. and plus the the whole philosophy of, of globalism. And, you know, Trump tried to bring them back and he failed. I mean, he, he, he may have had some really high profile successes, um, but in general, I think the giant sucking sound was a little bit softer, but it, it continued through the Trump presidency. I mean, I, I think it's gonna take a, you know, the, Klaus Schwab wants a great reset 
where we're all, you know, we own nothing and we're happy, but I think, you know, there's going to have to be an economic crisis and, and some leadership in the time is like, okay, we're going to have to start making stuff for ourselves again. And because we do make our own food and our own, you know, until recently energy. And those, and, and that means this great reset uh, could happen without a whole lot of serious pain, but you know, in, in the sense of, there, there, there are questions of in Britain that people uh, freezing to death this winter because they just don't have any energy to heat their houses. I mean, that's what this article was. It's like, they're going, there's going to be tens of thousands dead of cold this winter in the United Kingdom because there is no energy and there's no natural gas to supplement their idiot wind and solar. I mean, have you been to Britain? I mean, there. There's no solar energy in Britain because the sun never comes out. I mean, what are they thinking? You know, I, I, just so I, I think that, um, and if tens of thousands of people do die of cold in Britain, do you think anyone will admit that this is stupid? You know, except for Putin. Wow. Putin loves to troll uh, the Europeans. Um, well, Ed, I, I mean, I, I think your thoughts at the outset were really unbelievable about the economy and what we're facing. And, uh, you know, I, I am extremely concerned, too, that we're, we haven't seen the full brunt of everything that's been happening and, you know, what we've sown. Um, you know, I, I've seen some video of some farmers and, and manufacturers talking about how their, their new contracts are coming up and they're going to have to start to pass costs along to us. And then we could be looking at 30, 40% food increases. I mean, we're already obviously seeing some problems there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just waiting to wake up one morning to learn that things are collapsing around us. And, you know, I mean, yeah, and last March when the, when the pandemic um, hit, you know, the, the stock market went down, I don't know, 20% in a, in a week. And then, you know, oh, it's been all up since then. Well, if you looked at the, the money supply, I mean, it went vertical in March of last year. I mean, it just, you know, the money supply kept going up and up and up, and then it went off like a SpaceX rocket. And that's why the stock market has gone up. But at some point, people are going to realize that these, you know, that you're, you're supposed to be buying profits into these companies, and the companies aren't having profits anymore. And no matter how much money they pump into the the money supply, there's not going to be um, the profits to justify these prices. And we're going to get a 50% drop or maybe more like we had in 2008. I, I can't see anything happening other than that. I, I don't. I think, I think 2008 is going to look like a walk in the park compared yeah. to. What oh, we're, that's so we're scary. Is it not true that it's really getting hard to find a car in this country? It's not just cars, of course. I, I mean, I can tell you based on the business that, I, that I'm in all this, flooding after Hurricane Ida that devastated so many people. Um, and they've, you know, had, uh, you know, they've lost things like their water heater in their home. You can't find one in a Home Depot now. They, there's, there's nothing to be found. So I don't know what some of these people are going to do when they need to heat their homes as things start to get cold. We're, you know, we're into the fall and into the winter soon. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, honestly, because I'm trying to the products don't, aren't there. Trying to get into the archives of the internet. I'm looking for the episodes of the FJR podcast during the time of Atlas Shrugged. 
because I'm wondering if when you're in the middle of it, do you see it happening? Like we can read Atlas Shrugged and watch the world fall apart and watch people run out of energy and food. But as it's happening to us, how many of us realize we're in the middle of that movie? You know, I think we've been, all been expecting a calamity for a long time. And your hope is that somehow it just doesn't ever happen. But, you know, as Ed pointed out, I mean, all the ingredients are there for a disaster. And you can't keep mixing those ingredients the, and the putting Fed, it on, on the pot and boiling it and expect it for, to not, you know, the Fed has gotten slam us in the face. More and more reckless as time has gone on. Yeah. And, and they, I guess they're in the thrall of this idea called modern monetary theory, which means that uh, they basically print as much money as they, as they want, um, and that's good. And there are various technical reasons why they claim that's good that I won't get into, but um, I, I mean, that's the new... I'm not that's sure the they're being Hollywood. reckless, though. I mean, I, I think... That was going to be my question. Is I it think this is part of the plan. I, I think that this is all part of the plan, and they want a crisis. They they want to they don't let a crisis go to waste, right? Rahm Emanuel said that famously, and the Democrats make sure that they implement that at every opportunity. And I think that they're doing that with the Fed. I think that the the, the Fed chairman or the the Fed uh, presidents are connected to the Democrat Party. There have been some recent resignations from the Fed from the Fed. That's going to allow Biden to make replacements. Um, I think this is all coordinated. I think it's all part of the same game. I don't think I don't think they're doing something. They're trying to help the situation and they're just making mistakes. I think they're throwing gasoline on the fire in, in the hopes of creating the kind of crisis that they can take advantage of. You know, I would agree with you if I thought that they displayed any level of competence or forethought at all. But the people who run this country, I mean, as Kurt Schlichter would say, we have the worst elite of any country in the history of the world. They're just, they're idiots. I mean, I don't think they know anything. I, I, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, of course they could be diabolical and I'm sure some of them are, the Soros's and the Schwab's, et cetera. But, um, I just think they're morons. They're, they're central planners. You yeah. Know, so, okay. I mean, if they're doing it on purpose, that's one thing. They're just, that's pure evil. But other than that, I mean, they're central planners. We have central planning of money and credit and it's bound to fail. <laughs> you know, they're not sensitive to market forces. It's the complete opposite of that. Well, you know, I said, was it last week or the week before, people who mean well have a keen interest in whether or not the things that they do actually do well. So I guess, you know, when there's an implosion, you see how they behave. Are they accepting responsibility and saying, I, I doubt it too, Mike, I, I mean, doubt it. And so to me, that will be that will be the signal that they never meant well to begin with. I mean, if well, you really meant well and things don't go well, you have extraordinary remorse because you wanted it to go well. If it well, if you didn't say, mean well, then you don't really care. Well, I think it was Reagan's quote: "The more the planet, the, the plans fail, the more the planners plan." <laughs> so that's what happened. Double down on stupid. 
so yeah, I'm not as depressed about Taiwan. Um, the other thing is uh, that. I mean, here's the thing: this China. There's, there's a certain amount of Americanism uh, to the people of Hong Kong and Taiwan. Not all of them, mind you. They're they're Chinese, right? But to the extent that American culture has penetrated the Far East, uh, there is a certain amount of Americanism in the Taiwanese, the Hong Kongese, the South Koreans, the, the Japanese. Unfortunately, they're now beginning to import some of our worst traits like CRT and, you know, the uh, rainbow agenda. But, um, and I feel bad for those people, I really do, because they are, they are fundamentally liberty oriented, like we are. Uh, not all Americans, and certainly not the regime, but they are, you know, there's a lot of people in those countries that are fundamentally liberty-oriented. They have a different culture and they're more family and, you know, cooperation rather than individualism. You know, I get that, but there is, there is a subculture of Americanism there, and I feel bad when, you know, they're all potentially going to lose it. So I think, and I could be wrong, I'm just, my observation is that most Americans are still liberty-oriented it's just, there's a whole slew of people who are liberty oriented for them, but not for others. If they don't like it, someone's gonna have to take it away and make it stop. If they like it, they want the road paved wide open and have it given to them. I, I really think there's a liberty for me, but not for the group and there's liberty for all group. I don't think COVID fascism could be nearly so widespread if the American people as a whole were liberty oriented the way you're saying. Yeah, but look at how many people I know so many people who are all about, you know, the rules and the laws, and then they don't obey them. So, you know, if are you if, talking about the elites or are you talking about rank and no, file people? regular people, you know, they'll cheer and they'll champion, you know, everything Democrats and the, you know, that, that wants to be done the elites do it too, but then they ignore them. And I think it is really for them boils down to because it really is about controlling others, not necessarily controlling them. There's a desire to control others, but don't you try and control me. And yeah, there's a lot of, you know, in, in the Corona thing, maybe too, especially maybe with our, some of our young that it's, it is, they are fear laden and for a long time they would submit, but even they aren't going to submit for too long. Except they will still support everybody else being forced to submit. Am I the only one who sees that? That there's a liberty for me, but not for the huge part of the left? Yeah, I mean, that's the the anarcho-tyranny thing. If you're a part of the establishment, yeah, right. you can break whatever law you right. want. They're not against liberty. They love yeah. liberty as long as they have it and you don't. Yeah, yeah, right. I think they and have moment, a, a no warped moment. idea of what liberty is. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see them ideologically close to us in any way, shape, or form. Well, something weird um, happened in Virginia. The, um, uh, the Democrats a couple of years ago ran on the um, let's get rid of suburbs, you know, um, policy that Obama started. Basically, you know, the, uh, 
the federal government, Obama was like takeover zoning. So if you have zoned single family homes on five acres, they can come and they can, you know, buy two or three homes, 15 acres and put a big high rise of, um, you know, low income housing there. And that, that was Obama, you know, to, to, to brown the suburbs. Um, and the Democrats ran on that policy here in Virginia. And uh, as soon as they uh, took over the legislature, which they did a couple of years ago, they put that, uh, they put a bill up for it. And the people who live here, you know, in the outskirts of Moscow, um, who live on these five acre properties or two acre properties, really nice properties, they all called them up and said, no, 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 we're not doing, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're not doing that at all. And the bill quietly died, even though it had tremendous progressive support. So the progressives are doubling down. Well, can't they get the Virginia legislature to destroy the suburbs? Obviously, the next step is to try and get the, the federal government because the federal government doesn't respond to any pressure at all, you know. So uh, right, and those that, the, there are proposals to do that in the pending infra, bipartisan infrastructure bill and the reconciliation right. bill. Right. Yeah. So if you live in a nice suburban area with um, you know, nice single family homes and uh, nice neighbors. But there's that empty piece of property down the end of the road that isn't part of your development, but it's, it's just standing there, you know, you're going to get a nice 12 story uh, low income housing for. Hey, I, mean, I got news for you. We already, have, refugees. we already have that in New Jersey. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I lived in New so, Jersey, so therefore I am quite familiar. I mean, we. There's something called the Mount Laurel decisions. I mean, yeah. I know Ed could probably explain it better than I could, but it's effectively communism. And they, they're jamming affordable housing in every town in the state. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't, I don't hear about another crazy development that's in the works um, to go someplace where it just doesn't belong. Uh, the infrastructure isn't in place to handle it and everything like that. But all it takes is for a builder to come in and cry foul that there's not enough affordable housing in the town. They go before a judge, rules in their favor, and boom, before you know it, you've got a you know, big apartment building in your backyard. So New, Jer New Jersey has it. It's probably a model for what they want to do. Well, New Jersey is not known for its, um, or northern, northern New Jersey is not known for its um, you know, beauty and tranquility. Certainly, I've never heard of it that way. And South Jersey come around my neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. South Jersey is a little bit better, but you, I, I get the idea. Listen, uh, just to defend Jersey for a moment, man, you're making me do it. But if you go out the western side of the state, the southern part of the state, a lot of rural areas, a lot of farmland, beautiful uh -huh. areas. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, I've been all, I've been, to the far north, to the far, I've been all over New Jersey. Uh, in fact, there's hardly a play part of New Jersey I haven't been to. Um, it, it, it's not all what you see off of the Jersey Turnpike around turnpike. the Newark Airport. I, like I said, I lived in New Jersey. <laughs> and it doesn't all smell like that. <laughs> um, I, I know we're getting short on time. I wanted to go back, if we could, to the Merrick Garland part story. Okay. I, I read his letter, unless I'm missing something, and don't get me wrong, I don't trust any of these people, but I didn't read his letter quite the way it, I 
the headlines were selling it. They said he's calling, he wants to call, you know, parents against CRT domestic terrorists. I didn't read that in there. I'm not saying it's not a step in that direction, but I kind of thought it was a stretch. And I want to know what you guys thought. Where like he basically said threats. Like he he didn't say people who don't like CRT. I mean, his words were okay, harassment. Okay, you could his first word is harassment. Um and then you can fudge the, the definition of that, right? They could say, I don't like, if somebody says they don't like CRT, they're going to call that harassment. But I don't see in his letter where he makes that Jody. You know, direct okay. implication. Harassment, Jody. intimidation, and threats of violence. Okay, I don't think you should ever be able to give threats of violence, period, anyway. Okay. But Okay, so Jody, what examples of threats of violence at any of these Board of Ed meetings exists none that i know of. i don't know but you have know any of them been bombed? all of them i don't know i'm not I'm so not saying i trust him i'm trying to say i'm not seeing what people are seeing i don't know i don't know he's just, he's just using legalese he's, i mean i'm a lawyer i know how to do what he's doing he's using crafty language to try and smuggle in what he really wants to do there's no federal role in in board of ed meetings there's no there's, there have been bombings it's not like abortion clinics where there were bombings or people surrounding them. You have parents going and, and petitioning their government for redress of grievances. Mouthing I mean, off sometimes. I mean, what? sometimes they, you know, sometimes they say, you know, if you do this, we'll come and get you or something, which is all not at all threats. You know what I mean? It's not really. Threat. Well, okay. If what you, if that kind of thing is a threat, Ed, um, P, then so is the woman following cinema into her bathroom and threatening her. So then I see hypocrisy as it's I say, hypocrisy. I, it's not the same I know, thing. I know. Here we go again. Like it's not because they can literally murder no, people and it's okay. And no, it's not the same thing because you go to the bathroom, you don't expect to be accosted. If you go to a board of ed well, meeting as a board true. of ed member and there's public and there's a time for public comment, you expect to be confronted. I mean, and if you don't, you're an imbecile. I mean, that's the whole point of the public comment at a board of ed meeting. People can get up and spend two to three or five minutes, depending upon the local rules, and they can rant against the board of ed and say anything they want. And if you've ever been to them, and I have been to many of them, they ne the board almost never engages. It's, it's purely a rant format. You get up and you say what's on your mind. I wish that was the discussion that was being had, because if I'm looking at this from the and I'm not anymore, I get that. But if I'm looking at this from a perspective of somebody from the center or the center left, I'm looking at the right and saying, you guys are all you guys are all hysterical over nothing. I get why they would say that. And so it warrants a discussion where those parts and pieces could begin to come together and you could see, well, here's why it's inappropriate and why we see it this way. Okay. That's why so I asked. You're hysterical, you're hysterical over nothing. So you're going to sick the FBI on us. I mean, it doesn't make Even any sense. Even if someone was at a meeting and said, you know, you sons of guns, I'm going to, you know, come and then goes up and slugs the chairman of the uh, school board in the face. The feds have no role in that at all. Right. Zero. Zero. It's local law enforcement. That's right. That's a, okay. you know, assault and battery. And, you know, it's the cops that are, you know, the local cops for rescue and book you and whatnot. Feds have no role at all. 
So, so that's the argument that needs to be made against it. Not saying that he's going to call, he wants everyone to call them and treat them like domestic terrorists. But that's the exactly what he's doing. The FBI no, has no role. That, but that's the role. That's the only role that theoretically could be invoked. There's no regular federal role. The only role that he can justify is I'm going after domestic terrorism. So if he's going to act, necessarily he's invoking domestic terrorism and, and there's no seen? there's no role for the feds in domestic terrorism either i i mean under the patriot it, act there is well I, under the constitution there's no role for the feds in law enforcement in the united states but but uh, even in the you know even in our modern you know disaster world um un unless the terrorists uh, you know travel between state lines, which a mother going to school board meeting and yelling at school board or even hitting them or whatever, those state lines. I mean, you'd have to get Wicker versus Filburn on that is like, well, yeah, but you're tra you traveled with by car, which uses gas, which was refined in Texas. Therefore, it's a, I mean, it doesn't make any, none of it makes any sense. To me, it's also just another step towards federalizing the police. Yeah, and they keep I can see that pushing this kind of an agenda, you know, where they're obviously trying to persecute the hell out of us. Yeah. But, um, you know, to me, it just, it just continues to move the ball in that direction because that's just Ed, another one of their goals. Ed, let me just say, I, I, I don't know that it's a Wicker v. Filburn thing because I don't think that they're justifying federal powers based on the Commerce Clause. I think they're basing it on fighting insurrection and fighting, you know, you know the, the war, you know, national defense power, not uh, Commerce Clause power. Uh, they, they would probably throw all the arguments into a legal brief, but I think their yeah. primary position is that it's national defense, not that it's regulating okay. commerce. All right. Well, uh, you're right. They're certainly not enforcing the rules against invasion. So it's <laughs> another. Well, because only it's not the an ones invasion that... to them. It's an invitation from their perspective. Only the ones that they uh, like. Listen, I think all of this is about chilling any kind of debate in society, and it's all part of January 6th, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. They know that they've ticked everybody off on the right, and now they're saying, but don't you dare complain. And everybody's getting that message. So whether it's real or not, that is the message we're getting. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> I know when people go and protest at these things, when they say, we know where you live, they say, oh, that's a threat. Well, I don't know, is that a threat to hurt somebody? So they, they get to define threat as anything in the world they want to define it as. And that's really, really scary stuff, considering what they've done with the January 6th people, locking people even, up who probably didn't even walk into the buildings. So, But even that particular threat, right? We know where you live. You have to remember the context. This isn't... You know, this is a school board meeting where you're just you're meeting with all your neighbors. Exactly. Of course, you know where they live. Yeah. This is coming from people that dox everybody any chance yeah. they get. I was going to say I mean, that. Come on. But really, why, why, why are you saying that? I don't. I, it. I don't like it. Like I, I wish people. I, to me, it deflates our argument. It deflates our ability to move forward. I think it's stupid. I think it's a fight to fight, but. Stuff like that just, I think it, it pulls us backward, not forward. I don't like it. I don't, I wish they wouldn't do it. Let me take the other side, Jody. Until these leftists feel real pressure 
and real pushback. Not into, they not don't care get about it that way. They you don't, know what care, they don't care about intellectual pushback. They don't, they're not, they don't want to persuade you. I know. They're willing to use force on you. So the only thing they're going to respond to is force back. You know what? I, I, I think that that look at look at what's happening in the face of people saying, I know where you live. It's not advancing our ability to fight them. It's only making the left take I, re further remove our ability to fight I, them. I disagree. I think it does advance our ability fight, to fight them. Not but I'll give you I'll let you speak. I'm going to finish the sentence. I think it advances our ability to fight them, but it doesn't advance our ability to persuade them. Well, how does well, it advance? We're not going our, to persuade them. We need to rile people up to vote. I don't them. think. They're I don't think they're them. who we're we should be trying to persuade. They're not persuadable. But I still think the majority in this country are. There are so many people still asleep, and I think it's it, I, and whatever level it is, those who we should be trying to persuade and wake up. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when this is what happens. I'm going to wake them up without some, you know, rousing, uh, really loud sort of noise. I mean, you're just going to make, you know, yes, debate style loud sort of noise. But I'm going to come after you is not a loud sort of noise could be in, a, in different forms. Like we're not letting our kids go here. This is not going to happen. We will not sit back quietly, but making it personal, a sort of, where they can describe it as a personal threat, I think that sets everything we want to achieve totally backward. It, it, it provides the left with ammunition against us. I think there's plenty of words that we can use that don't include a personal threat against these people, which really just hurts us. I think just like January 6th, those people who are seen on video doing those, it just, it so sets everything that we could be making forward motion. It sets us backward. Well, the, the, the video, the video of the riots from January sixth was a joke. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I was mocking it as a selfie riots. I mean, people were going in there and going like this, taking pictures. I know, of them. and they looked like That's idiots. The, I'm this, sorry. This, this was their weapon, taking a picture of them. That's. I mean, come on. Well, Jody, you would have said then the uh, Austin <laughs> people climbing thing. I mean, they just. They, it didn't do any service for the, I think they just look like idiots and they set us backward. What did the Revolutionary War accomplish? Accomplish. I think it set back the cause horribly. It just made it look stupid. Well. At a certain point, you're gonna have to fight. And because they- I agree, I'd agree at a certain point. Type but. of fight. And that's why we have nothing in our arsenal whatsoever. I agree at a certain point, but these are like stupid. I see these as stupid mistakes. At the local level, at least you, you can get off your couch and go run for, for you know, uh, the Board of Education. And I, I think people feel more helpless when it comes to what the federal government is, is doing to us or even the state government. But, you know, so I'd, you I'd, I'd like to hope that at least some of these parents are going to end up throwing their hat in the ring. So here's see a lot of these. I think there's still. I think there's, I think there is still a battle of ideas happening in this country, and if and if we forget that, again, there's people we won't win. They're done. But when the moment comes, if the moment comes, I still want to say if, where there's, it is only physical battle. 
I want to know that we did everything to persuade the persuadable over to our side and that we didn't fall into, you know, caricatures that the left loves to portray. I'm going to take the exact opposite side of all of this, because I think you're, you're articulating it very well. I don't think we need to pers persuade the other side. I think most people are either not persuadable or not even worth persuading. I think we may, in fact, be by far and away the majority of this country, and we need to raise. I think so. I think we need to raise havoc and get people behind us to actually fight. So it's interesting what happened. I was going to mention. So Marcus Evans from Cal Exit got Mike Sylvia, who I believe was on our show as well, the representative in New Hampshire, who introduced the referendum for a constitutional amendment towards secession for New Hampshire. So he, anyway, he interviewed him the other day and a representative in New Hampshire who apparently just switched parties from Republican to Democrat has now tried to introduce a bill. It's in the very, very early stages that anyone who does anything to in any way separate us from the United States is ineligible to hold office. So what they're going to do is now the fact that it says very specifically in the New Hampshire Constitution that you can actually have a revolt, who cares, because any court worth its salt can rule the Constitution unconstitutional like they did in California. That's easy enough. But the point is, what they're going to do is say, if Mike raises hell at a Board of Education meeting and gets so ticked off, he's going to get off his duff and run. They're going to say, by definition, he's ineligible to be on that Board of Education. And then what? So they play for keeps. We don't play for keeps. Yeah. And they Washington hold generals, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it's the Washington generals. The Republicans are the Washington generals. They're there to show up and make the Democrats, you know, uh, look good. The Harlem Globetrotters, right? That's the yep. Washington yep. generals. Um, okay. I would also just say that, like, the Democrats who are doing these things never suffer any penalty. I mean, the worst thing that happens to them is they get a court order telling them that they did something wrong three years down the road. Most of the time they don't get that. If they do get it, they laugh at it and they don't let, they don't enforce the order. They never pay a penalty for all the violations they do. And it's, it's time that they have to pay a penalty. If they don't pay a penalty, they are going to continue doing what and, they're doing. And what is the, the penalty? What is the penalty? I don't, I don't, well, how about not? It should be at elections or it should be in a court of law. It should well, be. Dinesh D'Souza spent, what, six months in jail for some violation of campaign finance yep. law, right? How, how much time did Hillary Clinton law and Bill spend in jail for his campaign? For, oh, that would be zero. No, I think, Ed, you're exactly right. And the penalty, I don't know that they feel uncomfortable when they're being yelled at. Hey, in this can meeting. I ask you this then? Totally. But maybe they shouldn't be accepted in polite society when they're forcing critical race theory and all kinds of ridiculous, ridiculous sexual things down the throats of our children. So maybe that's the penalty they should suffer. What were you going to say, Jody? I was going to ask, you know, and I kind of came up with the answer in my head, but, you know, do you think that if the American people bring it up Hillary Clinton and the fact that she hasn't paid for, do you think if the American people were demanding things, demanding, you know, demanding things against the left, 
it would happen. Is it, is it not happening because the left has such an amazing barrier between truth and the people that the people by and large aren't aware of so much that if they were aware, the anger would be large and then they would ultimately buckle and Hillary Clinton might have to be held accountable or General Milley, they would actually be held accountable if the American people were actually aware and demanded it. I, th I think there's a large part of the American public that just doesn't care. But the, I think the um, yeah, I think someone once said that the media is uh, worth 15 points in the you know national elections. I, I think that's an understatement. I honestly think that, I honestly think that a, a true conservative America first candidate, you know, maybe maybe not Trump, but, you know, would, would get 75% of the vote if the media was fair, or even if it was just balanced, you know, there's the mm -hmm. conservative media and the liberal media. Um, and that's why, you know, the whole censorship online thing um, just arose because of the Trump phenomenon, right? They had it all planned out. It was going to be uh, Hillary versus Jeb. And, uh, you know, that was the plan. And this goofball wrestler, you know, uh, reality TV star, semi-billionaire comes in and ruined all their plans. What can I tell you? And we're, pay we're paying for it in the censorship. But I mean, we're talking, right? So, I mean, it's not entirely censorship, but I mean, if we can say things, you know, if we put this on YouTube and said, you know, uh, ivermectin works or, um, you know, the vaccine is very, very leaky and it's causing mutation of the virus to get any better or that uh, Eric Ciamarella was the whistleblower. I mean, you, you can't say Eric Ciamarella on YouTube under any circumstances in any context. You could have a cousin named Eric Ciamarella. You can't mention him. You'll get banned from YouTube. Um, there's you know, nobody mentioned nope. another story that's out there. Federal investigators issuing warrants for Google to turn over anyone typing in certain search terms. Yeah, yeah it's scary stuff. Of our free speech is getting. This is why you don't Google. You 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 go to DuckDuckGo or something. This is scary. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, um, those of us who use other search engines find out that a lot of this stuff doesn't pop up at all. No, it's you true. End up having to go to Google when you yeah. really can find something. Google is either the best search engine or the worst. It's by far the best if you're looking for something uncontroversial. Um, but if you're looking for something controversial, like, oh, famous American scientists, then it's obviously going to give you propaganda. But um, I don't know what to tell you. It, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, not only should, if you're going to Google something controversial, not only should you not... Um, use Google, but you shouldn't even, uh, you should use a virtual machine and the virtual machine should use a VPN to, you know, connect from some foreign country. And then, you know, hope not, not one of the really bad ones like Germany, but you know, some reasonably free country. And then you can uh, Google uh, something, you know, very controversial. Right, and they even taught us that even incognito mode means that. When I was a kid, back in the day, 
there was this book called The Anarchist Cookbook. Has, has anybody ever uh, heard of The Anarchist Cookbook? And it's a, it was a lefty publication put out in the 60s. It was a big format book. And it basically had instructions how to build explosives and traps for cops and all, also, you know, the, to trap cop cars. I mean, it was all crazy, crazy, you know, almost terroristic, terroristic stuff. And there was a court case about it. And obviously it's a book, so they can't ban it. So there's the anarchist. Ah, but now it's a different story. You try and buy the anarchist cookbook today and there will be FBI agents on your doorstep as fast as you can say Jack Robinson. So I've, in fact, I heard someone um, who was being investigated that the fact that he had that in his house, um, Nothing in it was relevant to whatever alleged crime the guy was committing, but just the fact that he had that uh, either, you know, counted toward his guilt or got him extra time or, you know, one, something bad happened just because he had this, he had this book in his house. So I don't even know whether I haven't looked at whether it's available by Amazon, but I doubt it. Um, well, I don't want to look because I'll get banned, but there's yeah. only one more story nobody mentioned. And I know everybody's going to get their last few minutes to mention stories they wanted. The uh, new law in Chicago that if people are killing each other, it's okay. <laughs> Wait, what? I, I live here. What? Okay, no, this it's is not a law. Place. It's just there were these gang members in in engaged. Oh, okay. In You're talking about the battle right now between Fox and. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm Light, sorry. Right? I'm like, wait, what? And they and they wouldn't. They wouldn't uh, indict the gang members because, quote unquote, there isn't enough evidence because they weren't talking and they had bullets in them. One would assume there were guns yeah. with fingerprints on them. And, and there were cops on action. the scene. Cops so on the scene. Also. What's that? Yeah. There were cops on the scene watching it all happen. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, one, one, one assumes there's actual physical evidence, and, but, you know. Nah, that's the, they were just fighting. Isn't there something also about it being boys will be boys. consensual? A consensual activity. That's what I thought I heard. Yeah, there was something like that. And the weird thing is like, well, then why was Aaron Burr? Like, I was just going to bring that up. I you was going to say Because that was a consensual activity. Didn't we go back a couple centuries? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So, All right, folks, I'm going to give everybody their last, their uh, last words, stories we didn't mention, thoughts you wanted to share, but didn't get a chance to. Can I go before my dogs bark? Because he's he's gearing up. I was going to say ladies first, but I didn't want to get in trouble. Aww, it's okay. You can call me a lady. I, I give you my permission. Okay. So a couple things. Um, I'm just going to put this out there. I, I don't know if you guys saw um, Ben Dominich. Um, he did a sort of a rant against people on the right, conservatives who favor any sort of separation um, uh, and it was kind of, I, I generally like Ben Dominish, but it was really, I found it arrogant and, um, I am persuadable. I, I think, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any, uh, avenue for us to stay together as a nation. I'm open for dialogue. I thought his thing, his whole thing was arrogant, but I would like it. If we could come and one next show or the show after whenever we get to it, have a discussion about convention of states as an avenue to that end. 
and see if that is maybe a more palatable sort of, I don't know, lesser, what is the word I'm looking for? Something that is maybe a little bit more palatable. I wanted to discuss that. That's compromise. One. Maybe, yeah, compromise. Less something that seems a little less abrupt and a little less something. Yes, compromise will go with. Um, and then somebody brought up earlier, I just want, this is something we could talk about all the time, I'm sure, but um, how they change, how words are, are always manipulated and changed and how bizarre it is. And I was noticing how they continue to use the word rare it, it, when they talk about breakthrough cases with the COVID vaccine. And so it doesn't feel rare when you see it happening all the time. I'm like, the word rare doesn't seem appropriate. And so I did a little bit of research and I wanted to juxtapose the COVID vaccine rare cases with, you know, say measles. And I found Johns, first of all, you can't find any anything but the use of the word rare in the CDC in, in the CDC website. They just use it as a word, but they never really say definitive sort of here's what the data shows, which I'm always suspicious because now you can say this, but it could be not it, it could be. It could be untrue. Um, and if you showed the numbers, people would say, well, that's not rare. Anyway, I found in Johns Hopkins, uh, they were showing a recent, recently it was looking one in 100 fully vaccinated people have a breakthrough case. Now I am not a statistician, but does that sound rare? One in 100? What do you guys think? I'm just curious. Would that fit your definition of rare? I mean, depends on the context, but I mean, I think in this context, no, that's not rare. Does not sound rare. And then I looked at, and this didn't give it in the same parameters, but for, uh, for example, measles, they were saying, you know, fully vaccinated people show 97% uh, protection. And that didn't necessarily, well, I guess this does go into breakthrough cases because according to the CDC, a breakthrough case is an infection, a positive nasal swab. So I, I don't know. Again, this is where I feel like they use language and they get to manipulate the definitions. And it's it's so destructive to any sort well, of intellectual society. To, to, to that end, Jody, you shouldn't trust Merrick Garland uh, and his definition of harassment. Well, I, I, I put it out there. I, I don't <laughs> trust him. I'm just saying... <laughs> The reason I bring it up is because people who might be still persuaded, and I think it's a lot, and maybe I'm wrong, but I still think it's a lot of people who are busy. They're paying attention to little things up here and they, they don't trust him, but they don't not trust him. And I feel like when they read that and they hear our description of it, that just provides an opportunity for them to shut us off and say, hey, you guys are just crazy. I don't want that. I'm just trying to still engage with that very large number of people on a, on a, on a more reasoned for them level. And no, I'm not saying I trust him. And I do believe because they twist, you know, uh, meanings of words that harassment will mean whatever they decide it means in the moment. I get it. My thing is always though, you know, I think those people, the persuadables that we still have who are coming to our side more and more, I think that's the mo that's what they're going to conclude is 
God's sakes, that's not what that guy said. You guys are just acting like crazy lunatics. I'm just saying it gives them that opportunity. And so if you have the discussion, they're persuadable, but the discussion has to happen. And that's what the media makes sure doesn't happen, is that deeper discussion on the subject. Oh, and it's not just uh, the COVID totalitarianism. Oh, no, no, no. It's all, all, all of the sure. subject there, the race discu- discussions or, or uh, feminism discussions or, or um, global warming, you know, I mean, it's, they just don't, they don't let discussions happen on these uh, issues. And they know that they'll lose. If they discuss it intellectually, they know they'll lose. They're hysterical. Mm-hmm. I just I just shared with you the story that Miriam Webster had changed its definition of anti-vaxxer to include anybody who's against mandated vaccines. But then the site PolitiFact had to come up and say, no, it's not really true that they changed it, blah, 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 blah. So they get to change the definition and say they didn't. Now, I was never in my life an anti-vaxxer. I have every vaccination under the sun, including the COVID one. But now that they say you're an anti-vaxxer if you're against mandated, guess what? I just became something I wasn't by not changing a thing, by them changing an established definition. So that's just um, what you- When they own the information, they can twist it all they want. Wasn't that some song lyrics? Can you be be an anti-vaxxer when I, I don't think it's even really a vaccine? Well, they get to make, they're the ones who get, they get to decide. And as long as they get to say what a word means, they can call us just like they call us racist, et cetera, et cetera. They define the words. Yeah, I mean, I they could call a vaccine. Mike. I happen to know more people personally, just personally. I happen to know more people who had breakthrough infections than I do people who had, um, you know, infections last year. I, you know, I don't know why that is. I know a lot too, Ed. That's why when they use the word rare, my gut tells me that's just not true. And how do you, only if you define rare as a lot, which who would, I mean, who, how do, how would you define rare when I'm seeing it all the time? I mean, it does seem like the people who who have gotten the shots are, are, um, you know, have generally speaking better outcomes. Uh, Although I was talking to a friend of mine today and she just lost a relative, sort of fairly, not distant relative, but medium distant relative to um, COVID after that person had been fully vaccinated. I had a friend who lost someone too, who was fully vaccinated and they died. So, I mean, you know, I think it's a- Even when that, I I don't even like, did they really die of COVID? I I don't, I so don't trust anything they say anymore. And it's a really horrible place to be where you just, you don't trust any information. Yeah. Yeah. The media lies, the government lies. Level one, level two. So I don't know what to tell you. Ed, you were going to say something about my comment? <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I, I mentioned last week that I started working with an attorney in New Jersey challenging vaccine mandates. And we've got a case against the College of New Jersey. And I believe the complaint is online, uh, but I know that we've argued that that's one of the arguments we've made, namely that it's not a vaccine, it's right. a gene therapy. Right. Whether our court's going to buy that, I don't know, but um, I agree with you on that. Right. Well, it, it's certainly not a vaccine in the way a polio vaccine is and other vaccines are. It's an mRNA shot. So call it what you want. It's not a vaccine the way we think of them. 
it, it doesn't act like a vaccine. Um, it is a shot and other vaccines are shots, um, mm -hmm. but it doesn't give immunity and it doesn't, it's a lot leakier right. than people think. I think, you know, I, you know, I read the actual journal articles and, and uh, all of which are, you know, a month or two behind, but, you know, they all say, well, yeah, the immunity wanes from 95% to say 80%. Um, but then I don't, it just doesn't square with things I know in my real actual life. You know, I mean, I, right. I, 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 I'm not saying they're lying. I'm just saying, I, I just don't understand how they can. Well, listen, I mean, all of us believe is, it. Why, why am I an outlier where I get to know all the breakthrough people and when, you know, everybody else isn't, you know, and, and but Jody knows breakthrough people. And, yeah. you know, how, how many articles have you seen where, you know, 10 ball players, you know, eight of whom were vaccinated and there's 10 of them are sick. And that's just one team. How many times I've seen it so many times. Yeah. The people, the Democrats on the plane, I mean. And you can't even talk about the side effects. I mean, one of the things I think Steve sent out uh, in the chat was uh, that the Sweden and Denmark have ended the Moderna shot for. Um, under 18. For, pe for people under 30. under 30 for Sweden and under 18. And I, I think 30 is closer to the truth as far as the risk benefit ratio is con yeah. concerned, at least in the, uh, you know, in the six to eight month time frame. Uh, I think, you know, as they go forward, they might find that the 40 is the risk benefit mm -hmm. cutoff. You never know. I mean, I, I, uh, they're going to push this until everybody's vaccinated or the evidence becomes so overwhelming that they uh, simply can't hide it anymore. And even then they'll try to hide it. They'd just be laughed at. In fact, I mean, laughing at them is more appropriate than quoting statistics. Listen, yes. I, I don't think any I don't think any of us are against a true vaccine. Um, you know, and if it worked and it truly were safe and effective, I'm sure we'd all line up to get it. I was not against getting it at the outset. I was taking a wait and see approach. But, you know, we all embrace reason and, and objectivism for a reason. And we we're looking for objective facts, objective realities. And we're seeing things out there that concern us greatly. I mean, there was another woman um, who was like about 39 years old that didn't want to take the shot. She was mandated to get it. And she ended up getting blood clots and, and dying. She left two young children behind. Yeah. And uh, again, it, it's still all about our freedom of choice to do with what we do, what we want with our bodies, particularly for something that isn't deadly to the extent of uh, other things throughout history have been. And um you know, That's I, another I, thing. Why, ahead, why do we have such a hard time getting to those specific numbers? Do you remember in the very beginning of this pandemic, the number one thing talked about was the case fatality rate was going to be 3.4%. That was the number you'd see all the time everywhere. And then when that number started to not look that way, it started to be cases. Cases are skyrocketing and deaths. And they were always reporting what was the scary number. And now here we are, I can't seem to find what they say really, where, where is the data on the case fatality rates, especially as you break them down in demographics, like where's the case fatality rate for this age group? Where's the, why isn't that like common knowledge? Why is it not talked about? I'm asking that rhetorically, obviously. Those, those, uh, those, point. 
that's really important. That's a really important part of people making a decision about whether or not they do something like get a vaccine is what is my actual risk? But you can't, you can't ascertain that information. I was just going to say their modeling on that was about as reliable as their global warming model. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, you know, people go to the Worldometer site and right now the case fatality rate is 1.6%. And they say, well, okay, that can't be, you know, but what is a case? And maybe there's more cases, but of course all the cases are double counted. So maybe well, uh, there's no, less cases. Or also, maybe Ed, though, that it, it, it changes in demographics. Like the case fatality rate is going to be higher if you're 75 and older yeah. compared I mean, to I, the case fatality rate if you're 12 or younger. 30 or younger. I, I read these journal articles, right? And I just think it's appalling how untrained doctors are on statistics or on experimental design or on any, I, you know, I would, if in physics, none of these papers would get past review. None of them, they would all be like, you didn't, like you completely ignored like X, Y, and Z and you forgot this. And, and it's the same thing. It's like with the numbers, like 44,863,144, two, eight significant decimal places and deaths, 726,457. How, 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 what's the uncertainty in those? I don't know. I mean, plus or minus 50%, maybe. I, who knows? Plus or minus 80%. Nobody knows these numbers. They're, they sit there and they're on that website and nobody has any idea what the uncertainty is in those numbers. They just, well, maybe a hundred million people have been infected. Well, maybe, you know, only 20 million people have been infected. These numbers are meaningless. And, and yet our entire, all the policy is based on, oh, well, we've gotten bigger numbers today. It's like, who knows what those numbers, where do they come from? How is it done? What's the cycle threshold? Well, we know the cycle threshold has been changing all over the, the time. And we also know that PCR tests are not diagnostic. So. You know, Ed, I think the- What is that? What is that? Who knows? Nobody knows anything. The numbers are all fantastic. What I find the most disturbing about that is that, and I've said this before, I know I've said it many times, but those in positions who should be asking aren't asking. Physicians, and I, I'm saying local phys physicians who are implementing doses of things, they should, they should be asking questions. They should be, they should be, you know, when, when their patients ask questions, they shouldn't be sort of um, arrogantly, oh no, you know, so it looks really safe. They, they should be having better data knowledge themselves and asking more significant questions. And it's really sad that that's not taking place. I, I search out decent doctors and I, I have a, you know, uh, I can go to specialists without permission. So I, I just have a specialist for every disease. And I search out good, smart doctors. And, but I know more about COVID than most of them. I, I do. And- um, The science behind it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and cause I've read a lot. Yeah. And they're busy. They're doctors. They work 12 hours a day. Um, no, I, I, okay, so I get that. But, but most doctors are not scientists. They're, they're short order cooks. <laughs> you know, they have a recipe. I'm gonna tell my husband that. And- um, <laughs> They have a recipe and it, it's almost always simple, sometimes complicated. That's why they have specialists. Um, and, you know, they come in and, you know, that's why they say, say doctors are going to be replaced by AIs, you know, and that would be true if the AI could actually interact with a patient without sounding like Siri. Um, oh, we'll get there. 
Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing is they're not scientists. So if you say to them, well, this paper here, it says, you know, that masks are effective, um, you know, has a filtration efficiency of 50%, but you know, that was only tested on one single person over a five minute period with a brand a, new mask, in a, in a with a brand new mask that was fit properly yeah. by a second person. Or look, this was in a lab in a controlled environment. Yeah, in, a, in a lab in a controlled environment. So yeah, I'm sure the filtration efficiency was 50%. I, you know, that's, that's okay. Now put it in the real world and tell me what it is. You know, this is going to be zero or 1% or 2% or something like that. They don't understand that. They just say, oh, it, I have the- a problem with that. I think that's a dereliction of duty because here, if you're going to prescribe medications, I'm really sorry that I, this is, you know, if you're going to do this at the very least, you step back and say, I, I haven't. I haven't been able to take all the time to, you know, go through all of the stuff on masks. I can tell you what the CDC says. I can tell you what my hospital says. I can tell you that I have at least have the, I haven't gone through it all. I haven't dissected it all, but the sort of, you know, just saying repeat, well, nope, this is what, this is what the data says. Not because they looked at it, but because somebody told them. The data says this. And a lot of these studies, like um, I remember one I was talking to a doctor about, uh, I got into an argument with her. Um, the Because uh, we don't actually talk about my medical history because I'm fine, but I have to go in every three months for, for tests. Anyway, um, it was like, this drug doesn't work. I'm like, no, 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 no. Look, look and see what it says. It says that 20% of the people who got the drug it worked on and 18% who got the placebo, you know, it worked on. Um, and this is not statistically significant. She said, yeah, that means the drug doesn't work. I said, no, no, that means there's a one in five chance that you're going to get better. If you give me something, I give me the placebo, give me the drug. I don't care. I just want the one in five chance. Don't, don't bother me with this. I said, oh, I've never thought about it that way. Like, yeah, exactly. It just, I don't care what you give me, give me something that says that it's the drug. And I, I don't care what it is. I just want the placebo effect. Thank you. Um, it's never discussed when they do these experiments that, well, maybe there is a difference between the, um, you know, the placebo group and the, and the action group that is more than the few things like, you know, age and sex that they control for, you know, maybe there's some genetic type, uh, you know, beyond like, you know, black or white, you know, maybe there's some genetics involved. Maybe it really does work on 20% of, I don't know, you know, they just, they don't, that's, it's all not science. So sorry to run long on this, but it just annoys me that it's, it's not science. Micah Red. Go ahead, Ed. We're, we're running way long, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we're long. So you guys can say your your last point and I think I'm going I think my house is going to be sold and I'll have the money in the bank before the crash so I'm I'm very excited about that. <laughs> we hope I, I'm so. gonna, I'm going to lose, you know, on the house I bought and they're going to lose on the house they they bought and everybody's going to lose it's going to be great. It's not that I I just didn't want to lose twice. That's my my only thing. Mike? No, over to you, Eddie Guns. Well, 
I don't have a really lot, whole lot to add. We've really covered a lot of topics in the show. Um, I think that uh, Jody raised a good point about uh, the breakthrough cases and whether they're rare or not. Um, I think that the uh, decision to hold back the booster shots uh, is indicative that the COVID, the COVID scam is starting to, to collapse. Uh, we've talked about that over recent shows. And I've also said during in past shows that they need a new crisis. And, you know, we started off today's show talking about the new crisis. And I think that's what's going on. But we'll see. There's always another week. So we'll, we'll revisit this next week. Ed, you're being very optimistic. Another week of free speech. I'm glad to hear that. I'm hoping. I see these people. I see these people like Ben Shapiro, you know, and and uh, not that. You know, Ben's okay, but, you know, he, he talks about, uh, you know, censorship. Um, but the truth of the matter is, Ben, you've never been canceled. So until you say something that's cancelable. There's a reason for that. And you get banned, so. uh, even if only temporarily, then, then uh, don't talk to me about censorship. Yep. All right, folks, we're going to wrap up for today. Better late than never, as they say. And I want to thank everybody for being here. As always, please send feedback to our email, ejsshow at protonmail.com. We'll be back next Wednesday, 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks.